Rabbis Ephraim Goldberg, Philip Moskowitz, and Josh Brody from Boca Raton Synagogue schmooze about contemporary issues. Every week features an unscripted, lively discussion, special guests, and a behind-the-scenes look at leading a large and dynamic Jewish community. Welcome to Behind the Bima. From Boca Raton, Florida, this is Behind the Bima. On today's episode, the rabbis are joined by Russell W. Galvin, entrepreneur and chairman of the board of Norwegian Cruise Lines. Also, who does more of the homeschooling, men or women? Which rabbi is celebrating his 23rd wedding anniversary? And who was the 1980 National League batting champion? All of this and more on Behind the Bima. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Behind the Bima. I'm your host, Rabbi Ephraim Goldberg, joined as always with our wonderful panelists, Rabbi Philip Moskowitz and Rabbi Josh Brody. And tonight we have the great privilege and honor of being joined by Russell Galbit. Russell is a legend, not only in Miami Beach, South Florida, but all over for his incredible leadership, his philanthropic work, his uh, real estate prowess, for the uh, incredible boards he sits on and the difference that he makes. And of course, the very close personal connection that we have, Russell, with the, uh, with the Galbit family and feeling so connected. So thank you for spending some of your time with us. Thank you for joining us tonight, what I know is a, a busy time uh, for you and for all business leaders. Thanks for being with us. My pleasure. I want to acknowledge. <laughs> I can see. <laughs> this is the big time, but you've made it behind the Bima. Who thought? Who thought you'd be behind the Bima? I want to acknowledge our amazing sponsors for tonight. Uh, Devorah and Yisrael Feder, Jay Feder Jewelers. We'll talk a lot more about them later and an amazing giveaway, a raffle that we're entering tonight. If you share this live feed on Facebook or Instagram, you are automatically entered for a raffle $500 towards an amazing piece of jewelry from Jay Feder Jewelers. You do not want to miss that do, opportunity. Do our, wives count, do our wives count in that? Our wives count more than anyone, but I'm not sure they count in this. It wouldn't look good if they won. But uh, take a moment right now, share it, and you are automatically entered. So, um, Russell, before we even begin, let's just talk about the connection that we have. Um, and that is through your nephew of blessed memory, Brian Zichron Lavracha. Brian was one of my, one of our best friends, a community leader, a hero, a, continues to be an amazing source of inspiration. And I know how close he was with you, how much he looked up to you, and how much affection that you had for, for him. So, you know, tell us a word about, about Brian before we even begin. Uh, a more kind and gentle soul uh, this earth has not seen. Somebody who gave his life to, uh, to his fellow man, who believed in giving more than ever receiving. Um, you know, I, I, uh, somebody who really uh, everybody in our family is so proud of and was so proud of. He was a true leader of the next generation. And he was the first of 15 grandchildren of my parents. And uh, my mother always said that uh, he was the one who would lead the next generation and uh, pull them to new heights. And he certainly did that. No question about it. And even though he lived way too few years here on this earth, he left a longer and greater legacy and bigger impact than, than many who lived multiples of that, of that lifespan. And we still, uh, of course, uh, love and think about his family and you uh, and him all the time. There's not a day that goes by that he doesn't continue to inspire me just his memory. How so many times are we in the middle of a conversation and, and we reference Brian Galbit, something Brian would have said, something Brian would have done, something Absolutely. that he would have started in the, in the show all the time. One of the things Brian was so proud of was the Galbit name and how synonymous Galbits were, are with Miami Beach, the history of Miami Beach and the difference in Miami Beach. So Talk a moment about your your uh, connection to Miami Beach, the South Florida community. You've seen it grow over time. Where where have you seen it been, and where do you see so it? So I, 
I'm the youngest of this generation uh, with f three older brothers. Uh, my Our grandparents came here in the late 20s, uh, created a lifestyle, and actually were founding members of Beth Jacob Synagogue. And uh, not only that, they, they were involved in every Jewish cultural activity to build a uh, Jewish community. Um, and that was the way my parents were. And it went from generation to generation. And now uh, Brian's grandchildren are the sixth generation being raised on Miami Beach. Wow. So, so uh, you don't have many families on the beach that have had six generations. And the interesting thing about it is that uh, my beautiful wife and I had the opportunity to, uh, to return to South Beach a number of years ago uh, to the synagogue that our uh, grandfather was able to help start build that was built in 1935, and it's now a Jewish museum. And it's amazing how, um, how we, we were able to go to the Jewish museum and actually see the history of Judaism in, America, in, in the state of Florida. And it's really quite a rich history. I mean, uh, uh, it's sort of, it's got some very interesting facts that no one would believe. Um, our first uh, Senate, House and Senate in, uh, in Tallahassee, uh, actually had a kosher dining room. So when you see things like that and hear things like that, it's, it's wow. pretty remarkable. That is, that is pretty amazing. And, and it was up. really for a fellow by the name of Levi, or Levy, who is the guy responsible for Levy County, which is one of the biggest counties in the state of Florida. So it's sort of interesting. So South Florida is not just a place people come to vacation for Yeshiva week. It's not just a place that uh, people come or migrate. Gravity brings them down and the older they get. But there's a long and illustrious history and you and your family are certainly a big part of it. Let's move over to some tachlis. I know, uh, Russell, you're giving us your time tonight and it's already uh, the hour is late. So let's tap into your expertise. Um, for those who don't know, Russell is the, um, the chairman of Norwegian Cruise Lines and the managing principal of Crescent Heights, uh, one of America's largest and most respectful uh, residential developers of uh, condominiums, really invented the, the condo hotel model and so much more. So we want to tap your expertise, your brain, give us a little insight in what's going on in the world today. Um, as the chair of Norwegian Cruise Lines, what do you see the future of the of the cruise industry? Um, I'm not going to ask you, I know Norwegian's coming out with earnings tomorrow. We're not going to ask you to give us a little insight tonight, <laughs> whether we should try to try to buy before the opening bell. But we will ask you, what do you think is going to happen? <laughs> so, so, uh, the is coming back? <laughs> You know, I, I, uh, I, I will tell you, I'll give you insight. And, and uh, we're, we're really all living in unprecedented times. Uh, and every day is a new day and it's the beginning of the rest of our lives. And we have to be thankful uh, to be here and to be healthy and to be with our families. And uh, there are many uh, in, in, our, in our groups that are not so healthy and we have to pray and hope that uh, their recovery will come swiftly and strongly. Um, with that said, um, uh, we are living in unprecedented times, um, but I also believe that the community at large and uh, our medical teams and our, um, our expertise will be deployed and we will find uh, a, a two things. We'll find a therapy to treat the virus uh, the proper therapies to treat the virus. And number two is I believe we'll find a vaccine for this virus. So I have great faith in humanity and fellow men and women. And, uh, and I think it's just a question of time till it goes away. Now, the, the key here is to plan for and protect for uh, that length of time that might be necessary. And there is no secret that uh, at NCL, um, we were able to go out into the public marketplace 
And uh, we originally contemplated raising $1.4 billion. And in essence, we raised $2.4 billion because the demand was there, because the belief in, in, in our, in our uh, cruise line was there. And uh, that's something that you can just look to the records and see. So I'm very pleased with uh, where NCL is today. Uh, it's in a very strong liquid position. And um, no matter what happens with this uh, particular um, virus, uh, and um, we should be able to uh, survive and do very nicely because uh, we have the wherewithal to, to, uh, to go quite a few months out there. As it relates to Crescent Heights, uh, you know, we, we are the high-end residential developer in many, many cities, um, and each city is reacting differently. Uh, I can say that, um, that probably the, the uh, uh, overall, I think we're, um, we're doing exceptionally well. Uh, we have not had uh, people uh, not paying their rent, uh, and uh, they're doing that. Uh, the retail segment is a little bit more controversial, a little bit more difficult. Office is a little bit more difficult as well. Um, but depending- you see the economy? The, the economy is going to bounce back? We're, we're going to roar back, you think? I, I think that we have the ability and the possibility of roaring back. I can tell you that- uh, uh, you know, when I look at next year, I know that NCL is booked very well. Uh, I know that uh, our product is very good in the marketplace. I know that many developments, many construction projects that were planned will not happen now. Uh, I think the capital markets are temporarily in disarray mm. and financing and the ability of capital, of raising capital is in disarray. So strong companies like um, Crescent and and a handful of others uh, will be able to build and continue to build. And, and uh, but I think that uh, competition will be um, down for for the short short. Do you let short. Do you let rabbis invest with you if you think it's coming back? We we, we love rabbis, and uh, you know what we we've, we've had a wonderful relationship with the rabbinate and. Uh, um, and and with uh, the Jewish people, it's it's really quite incredible. I mean, uh, Norwegian uh, Cruise Lines is is the cruise lines that uh, uh, that most Jews travel on. It's the most amazing thing. I mean, when you look at something like Oceania, uh, we've done some analysis, and we have uh, on many of our cruises over thirty percent of our populace are, are Jewish people. Wow, wow! I know the Galbots are famous. Some of the great Galbot cruises. As a uh, wannabe honorary Galbot member, I almost made it on the last family Galbot cruise with the historian, but last minute I didn't make the cut, uh, mostly because my wife wanted to let me go anyway. But um, <laughs> so the cruises, you know, I just I just read yesterday that one of your uh, competitors, Carnival, actually said once they announced that they're going to be sailing again in August, they actually had 300% up on bookings from this time last year. That's how eager people are to get back to the high seas and get back out there and enjoy. And I'm sure Norwegian is seeing uh, a lot of the same, that people are out there want to get out there uh you know it, wouldn't, it did not surprise me at all so 30 percent jews on the ships let's ask a, let's ask a question i've only been on one cruise I actually was on the disney cruise two cruises i was on the disney cruise and uh and we our empty nestor group at boca Raton synagogue did a cruise also so um you know on, on these cruises like the disney cruise a jewish person goes a kosher observant person goes and uh you got the frozen meals maybe some cut up vegetables what can we do to get better kosher food on these cruises other than the overpriced kosher cruise uh, programs with canters and, you know, you got to go through that to qualify for some kosher food. 
You know, I, I know I know that feeling. It's uh, really, uh, I'll tell you, there, there are different levels from different uh, cruise lines, but I can honestly say from, from NCL, uh, we really go the extra mile and make the extra effort. Uh, unfortunately, if you're traveling two or three or four, you're, you're limited to the kosher food. Um, however, almost all of our chefs and all of our ships are, are quite familiar with kashras, and um, they're used to uh, double wrapping uh, fish, uh, salmon, things like that, uh, double wrapping it, putting it in the oven, bringing it to the table in the double wrapped aluminum. Amazing. Um, they're used to uh, cold salads. Um, so there, there's a, a great deal that they are used to. Uh, and then obviously, if you have a large enough party, uh, you can call up in advance and make arrangements. Uh, and you may pay a few pennies, but uh, but if the party is large enough, they will accommodate you because we're used to accommodating our guests That's to the amazing. highest levels possible. That's incredible. That's so good to know. What's what's your favorite cruise that you ever went on? Where did it go? You know, I, I we Ronnie and I are cruisers, so so for to ask me that question, I can tell you we've cruised the entire world except for um, New Zealand and uh, down under and and so on. Uh, I would say that Alaska still remains one of the best cruises of the world. We did like the Baltic. We did like uh, going into Saint Petersburg. Um, it's just beautiful, and uh, uh, so all up there. And then we also did uh, Northern England, uh, Ireland, and uh, Wales, and, and uh, Scotland. And it's really, it was just really terrific. And uh, appreciate the world. It's a way to see the world. That's amazing. That is fantastic. Let's talk about your philanthropy. You only have a few minutes left. I know you're so generous to give us your time tonight. Um, so I know that you're on the you're the chairman of Kola Chabad, which runs the soup kitchens in Israel, and you've been involved in the uh, board of trustees of Simon Wiesenthal Center. What is it about those two organizations? I mean, you're involved in obviously so much more, and your family are are so incredibly generous. But what is it about the the soup kitchens of Kola Chabad and the Wiesenthal Center? What it stands for that has um, made you want to get involved with them? I'll tell you, both organizations have incredible leadership and, uh, and very forceful leadership. So uh, I would say that I, I wish it was voluntary from my heart and soul. It is voluntary from my heart and soul, but I will tell you, it's almost like I got hooked in, <laughs> hook, line, and sinker in. Uh, and it's probably because of the immense uh, influence and power um, that these uh, rabbis who lead these organizations have and what they've been able to accomplish. And uh, I can honestly tell you, uh, when it comes to Kolo Chabad, uh, my, my daughters both worked in their kitchens in Israel. And it was the most uh, influential experience uh, for me with them, uh, waking up at five o'clock in the morning to make meals for poor people in Israel and then subsequently delivering them and seeing what it was all about. And that's Sadaka. Wow. Uh, and that experience on Sadaka was irreplaceable. That's amazing. So, I mean, let me let me end by asking maybe a little bit of a personal question, and hopefully you'll still talk to me afterwards. But give us give us uh, behind the scenes the mindset of a philanthropist. Um, you know, you're 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 incredibly accomplished and and brilliant, and Baruch Hashem, God's been good and successful, and and therefore there are a lot of people who who look for your partnership, your wisdom, and and your resources. How do you decide where to put it, and how do you decide uh, how to allocate it, and you know, give us some insight into philanthropy and how you decide where you want to make a difference in the world. That's, that is a wonderful, wonderful question and a wonderful topic, okay? And I thank you for asking it. Uh, I can honestly tell you that uh, I wasn't very good at that because uh, 
uh, I would listen to everybody and, and try to do something for everybody. Uh, but several years ago, maybe as much as five years ago, we, we more or less formalized amongst uh, my wife and myself, and she became the president of our foundation. And she is much smarter and much more careful and much more insightful than I ever was or ever could be. Mm -hmm. So she has a methodology that she puts everything into buckets, so much for elderly care, so much for Jewish education, so much for uh, uh, things like the Jewish community centers, all of that type of stuff she really does allocate. And uh, I can't tell you how many different charities we get. Um, I could tell you that she takes her job serious. She has a full-time uh, financial person that works with her, uh, and she reviews every single uh, document that comes in, and she's very careful and very methodical, uh, and she reviews the needs, and she puts them into a bucket, and she allocates funds, funds amongst those buckets. Uh, we have been extremely fortunate in life, and certainly uh, we want to give back for the good fortune that we've had, and we want to give back in an intelligent way. And I have to thank Ron Lee for that, because she really brings a skill set that I never had. That's amazing. Ron Lee is amazing. She's not only so smart, she's got the, the biggest smile and the warmest heart. And I've had the, the pleasure of being the beneficiary of that and even a beneficiary of her being a, a flight attendant taking care of us for a very yeah. uh, sad, unfortunate reason. But even then, such concern for, for others and their happiness. And She should be on the show, not me. Oh, she's, <laughs> listen, we're starting with the smaller guests and we're building our way up to the bigger celebrities. So Next, only we'll, next year's Mother's Day. Once we, once we break through 100,000 listeners, we'll come to Ron Lee, but not until then. Okay. So, Russell, thank you for your thank time. You. Thanks for all that you do for the Jewish community. And, and thank you uh, for your friendship. It's really, it's great to spend time with you. And uh, always to be with Galbitz is a, a privilege and a pleasure. You and, and your brothers, your whole family are really amazing and, and so important to all of us. So thank you. Stay safe. Thank you, Rabbi Goldberg. Stay healthy. Thank you, stay happy. Thank you, thank Rabbi you. Brody. Thank you, Rabbi Moskowitz. Thank, thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Hold on one second. Do they have Wi-Fi on that cruise? Can we broadcast from the cruise? Apparently better, oh, hopefully better Wi-Fi than my Wi-Fi. Coming in and out. Yeah, I'm coming in and out. All right. Russell is amazing. Great. Well, listen, Russell's amazing. brilliant. He's accomplished. And for me, he's slightly intimidating. So I'm exhaling now. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We can go You can on. relax a little bit. Because, uh, <laughs> no, no, it's not a comment about him. He's done nothing to make me feel that way. Just, you know. He's the greatest. So let's let's make a l'chaim another l'chaim. week. That thank God if we're healthy and 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 uh, we're here, it's a reason to say l'chaim l'chaim to the memory of our of our dear brother Brian Gabbett. Baruch Tzvi Ben Ruvein Nason is Neshama Shiravin Aliyah. L'chaim to all of our listeners and l'chaim to our sponsor. Amen. Before we go, before we go on, we've got some great topics tonight. We've got right. uh, Baruch Hashem, a lot of listeners. On all of our different platforms, it's so great to have you with you with us. Please comment the Zoom chat, the Facebook chat, share our link, and you will get five hundred dollars gift card. This is unbelievable what we got here. Fetter Jewelers, can you see that? Fetter Jewelers, love those guys. Fetter Jewelers, laminated and shiny, so it's hard to see. Where's your hat? Kind of shiny, kind of like my forehead. And Rabbi, Ma- Rabbi Brody, did Look you this. buff? Okay, did you buff, <laughs> did you buff tonight. What's going on there? Did you take out the old like extra you know, wax? Little extra wax. What's <laughs> no, happening? I really. I first of all the reason. I, I I'm cured. I'm cured. Yeah, Everything looks better. better. But the reason it looks so good is because I've got some special lighting. Shabbos light is shining Shabbos on my face uh, right now. Shabbos <laughs> light's great. Shout out. Tomorrow. Big shout out. Big shout out. 
We're grateful to him for last week, but let's talk about this week. And we've got Devora and Yisrael Feder. They didn't want to appear. Devora only allows her hand with like exotic backgrounds to appear on Instagram every four seconds, but to actually appear, Yisrael and Devora, they did not want to come on in person, but we are representing them. Jay Feder Jewelers, you're not going to get treated better. You're not going to have better deal, better quality, better service, a better venue. Please, God, when they're going to reopen. In the meantime, online. Family operated. Jfender.com, family operated and owned. They've got several locations. Uh, and they too, just like Russell and the Galbert family, the Fetters are, are great uh, supporters of our whole community of, um, of the Boca Jewish Center and BRS and, and so many other places. So uh, check it out. The good news is tonight, they're not just sponsoring. We're not just promoting and pushing them. They're giving back. So here's the deal. Here's the deal for all the Oisvarf Nebuch men who didn't get a Mother's Day gift for last week. It's not too late. You can still go to jfetter.com. And here's the thing. Mention Behind the Bima. This is going to be a new part of our amazing show. Mention Behind the Bima, 20% off. 20% Item of your choice, excluding custom watches or loose diamonds. 20% off an item of your choice. Now, I hope my wife is not watching because it happens to be that tonight is our 23rd wedding anniversary. Chaf Iyar. Wow. 23 years ago tonight, we stood under the chuppah together and uh, I was made whole with my better half. And I'm still- And this is how you're spending it. Exactly. You're spending it with with 200 of your favorite friends. Listen, I'm I'm hoping to win that raffle. So $500, I can get her something for $4.99 and uh, and nothing more. So, uh, but $500 raffle. So if you share or stream uh, our program tonight, on any platform, you're entered into a raffle. We'll announce the winner next week. It's five hundred dollars. Five hundred dollars, a lot. You know, the Fetters. A lot of money. It's real money. Fetters go big or go home. They're all in. You know, you saw can not only throw a football, and they can only host a great party when they're going to reopen. But it's really, uh, it's really something which is beautiful. So, so share thank you to uh, Fetters, devoting Israel, Jay Fetter Jewelers, jfetter.com. Five hundred dollar raffle gift certificate. We got the details right here. Wait, wait, hold on, hold on. Now that's your anniversary, I got lots of questions. Hold on one second. Oh, Who is Masada Kedushin or Shechter? Shechter was Masada. I would have prepared some some uh, pictures here. Shechter was the Masada Kedushin. You should. Yeah. We should have the video of of Yochevet playing the drums right now. I'll tell you. I'll tell you. I'm going to get in a lot of trouble for this. I'm not telling the whole story tonight. I'm not even doing that on my anniversary. But I'll just say that while we were dating, we broke up for a little bit. Let's just say I had nothing to do with breaking up for a little bit. It was not mutual. And then we got back together when some people came to their senses and we, uh, and we figured it out. So I had met with Rav Schechter when it looked like we were going to get engaged the first time when we were really serious. And uh, obviously we broke up. It was pretty devastated, which is an understatement. And, uh, and then later we got engaged. So I met with him, my Rebbe Rav Schechter. Uh-oh, I'm in big trouble. I'm getting right <laughs> I'm in very big trouble. And um, I met with him. I got more questions coming up. I said, Rebbe, I have good news. Uh, please, God, I'm going to be getting engaged. And he said, who? I said, it's the same girl. You have Brookstein. Amazing. The girl of my dreams. I'm not worthy. And he said to me, um, make sure she has warm socks. So I thought, make sure she has warm socks. Like when you talk to her Schechter, you think Russell Galbert's intimidating. You talk to her Schechter, you're like, I have no idea what he's quoting from. Is there a Maimer Chazal? Do the rabbis somewhere say something about warm socks? A chuppah? Is this a new chumra, a new stringency? I have no idea. So he must have seen my puzzled face and he said, make sure she has warm socks so she doesn't get cold feet again. <laughs> <laughs> now, I got to so, tell everyone, I got to tell everyone, you know how long you and I have been together as, as colleagues and friends? Yes. I, I've heard that story 400. I feel like one of your kids I right love now. that story. Listen, that's yeah, I, I feel like one of your kids. Right I laugh every time. It gets me I'll every tell time. You, I'll tell you why that's an important story because right now everybody's seeing Rav Schechter's genius and his greatness that he's producing tshuvas, his response to literature, he's dealing with crisis. They don't necessarily know he has a sense of humor and that he's got that side too. And uh, that's what makes him a Rebbe. That's what makes him so incredible. We've got, in fact, I think Rav Schechter's son 
uh, is watching. Yami Schechter, I see, Yummy, is watching. Yummy's Shout on. out to him. Amazing. And Mazel Tov to Yami for becoming a great uncle. And I will say also that it's possible I see that our congressman is watching. And I want to welcome wow. and thank our congressman, Ted Deutsch, whose That'd birthday so was recently. Cool Very sh- happy birthday to uh, Ted Deutsch. And, he shares uh, it right now. Yeah. Jay Feinberg. Congressman, Jill would love it. Jill would love a $500 piece of jewelry. Jay Fetter Jewelers, you share the stream. <laughs> Listen, it's non, it's bipartisan, nonpartisan, postpartisan. This is an apolitical show. Gifts. And uh, yeah, you can't accept the gift, but Jill can, I'll tell you that. So <laughs> you share the stream. And uh, Jill Deutsch, the uh, first lady of our district, can accept a $500 gift certificate if she wins the Jay Fetter Jewelers. So let's not talk about me and my wedding. Let's go screen share for a moment. And let's take a look at a little something else. We'll follow up from last we week's show. Whoa. Hey now. Hey now. Whoa. What Whoa. is that? Whoa. There's the flute. Listen, There's, last week we had the It's a clarinet. It's not a flute. It's a, <laughs> a clarinet. Flute. According to Mrs. Brody, it's a flute. <laughs> flute Moskowitz. Wait, wait. Can we, I want to point out, it's it's not just the instruments. Can we all notice Rabbi Goldberg's Boy Scout outfit? First of all, hold on. Let's just catch everyone up because we've got new listeners. We've got people from around the world. We got an email today from a listener who said, you know, I'm hooked on your show, but we don't really know much about you. So all this sponsorship, where does it go? What does it support? So maybe we'll talk about that later, but let's just give a background. So last week with Mother's Day special. It goes to clarinet lessons. It goes, it goes to reviving the band. The money is going to bringing the band. Lenny Freeman like that. He's going to give me, he's going to give me lessons Lenny again. Uh, dude, you wish you can, you know, Lenny Friedman, you can't play one note he can play. Like, yeah, rocks it. He's amazing. We love Lenny. So uh, last week we had the moms on. The moms were each asked to share something about our childhood and each decided they were going to embarrass, humiliate, and shame us. And so they talked about how we each played an instrument and then they shared pictures of us playing those <laughs> instruments. So we thought, what the heck, we'd bring it to you. The band is back together again. We got band Rabbi Moskowitz on the flute, otherwise known as a clarinet, concentrating hard there. He was skinny and lanky, a runner back then. I'll tell you we what that was. Have... I'll tell you what that was. At my, yeah. at my grandparents' house, Every year for Thanksgiving, all of the grandchildren put on a recital. We all had to play instruments. And that was my turn, my turn on the clarinet. That's amazing. Bobby and Zadie's house. Really special. And I see you're wearing a sweatshirt, no collar. Everyone was okay with that on a fancy day like that? You were good? Yeah, can we go to your picture, though? I you know. We're shy. You are shy. Is that Shy Goldberg or Rabbi Ephraim Goldberg? I honestly don't know twin. what's going on. I definitely do look a lot like my son, Shy, which I'm, you know, I'm excited about. Poor him. He should enjoy the hair while he has it. But I, my mother had to, like, double whammy a picture of me with the violin and a Boy Scout. And Scouts. the Boy Scouts. And the Boy Scout. Aleah Mashal. Aren't Boy Scouts over? Did Boy Scouts? Something happened with the Boy Scouts. I don't know if we could talk about it. A lot happened show, to but Boy Scouts. We're not going to talk about that. Yeah. Let's, Simon Mursky can talk about that. This is a family-friendly show. We're not talking about that. But uh, I was, listen, proud Boy Scout. I'm not, you want, I start fires all the time. Log Bomber in my backyard, we made a Log Bomber fire. Not, I'm not talking, you know, the cheat starter log and, and fluid. Maybe I use that a little bit too. But I know, take a couple twigs, build a pyramid. I know how to tie a knot, untie a knot. I know how to, you know carve the wood and turn it into a little car and race it. I got the Boy Scout down. We're into our fact checker. They filed for bankruptcy in February. Oh, thank our fact checker. Let's get out of this and get rid of it. Oh, and then we had Brody on the drums. He's still playing the drums. And Brody, other than the shine coming tonight from the forehead, <laughs> he looks exactly the same. So that's a little throwback from, from then. So uh, yeah, it's a, it's a special night. We've got this raffle. If you haven't shared it, share it now. Jay Fetter's jeweler, jfetter.com. And uh, the, the runner-up, if you don't win the raffle, you could maybe qualify for being in one of Dora Fetter's Instagram posts. And uh, with that background, it could be your hand featured and uh, it would go viral. It would really 
really be special. So amazing. All right, guys, here's a question for you. Someone shared this article. I think Rabbi Moskowitz, it was you. You ready for this? New York Times article. I really hesitate to use those words. I'm in my study. It's not a fake background, even though I was accused and I, I gave a class <laughs> for Aish this week and Aish streamed it on uh, Facebook and I happened to see a conversation people had accusing me of it being a fake background. Here, let's move a book here. Here, yeah, there's, here, I'm in my library also now. See Hold this, on. See that? Real books? Real books I'm in my library. library also now. Real, oh, by the way, actually, you know, I don't want to make it sad, but I have a picture here, two of the people we spoke about, but we've got, we've got Brian Galbett and Rochefter and me a few years ago, but yeah, some of the people that we spoke about. So that is a real bookcase behind me. Uh, any case, anyway, so I hesitate among Svarim to use the words New York Times after yet again they displayed their animosity and bias towards Israel with that horrific headline but let's not even talk about that let's talk about an article that that appeared there you ready for the headline let's go what percentage of men and and rabbi Moskowitz, i know you know the answer but what percentage of men no I, I didn't read it i just sent it to you what percentage of men say that they do most of the homeschooling during this quarantine during this pandemic let's say, say rabbi brody did. rabbi brody what do you think Men were asked. There was a poll of men and women. I'm going to say what that. What percentage of the men say they do most of the homeschooling? 8%. 8% of men. Rabbi Moskowitz, what percent of men say they do most of the homeschooling? Now I'm trying to remember the article. I'm going to go with 10%. 10%. Okay, you ready? So the first, the first statistic is astounding. First of all, you're both, I don't know where you're coming from. Every man way overestimates what they're doing and think they're doing. Yes, that's what you know, I asked you. They say not they not if. Not if your wife's in the next room, you know, by the Let way. Let me tell you this. Most men, when they're working full-time during no pandemic and never home, still say they're doing 50% <laughs> of all the work at home. So I during meet the pandemic, men, by the way. Let's interview him. I'm just telling you, that's what they say. I didn't say it's true. I said that's what they say. Yeah. So, so the men were asked during a pandemic, New York Times article, I can post it in the, in the chat in the Facebook group, but um, the answer is nearly half of men say they do most of the homeschooling. Then they polled those men, the, those men, their wives, to ask the wives whether they agree. So you ready? Here's the headline. 3%. Nearly, ha nearly half of men say they do most of the homeschooling. 3% of women agree. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. 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 What do wow. you say? Which makes it all the more fitting that three men are having this discussion on Zoom right now without our it wives. <laughs> we had three women on last week, unlike yeah, certain other shows that had to have all women this week to show that they're egalitarian men, women, you know, Ronnie Galbit's coming on sometime soon. We're going to get her agent and book her, um, but we have to become big enough first to qualify for Ronnie. But we have, we have both genders. So uh, what do you make of that? What do you make that poll, Rabbi Brody? What percentage do you think you're doing at home? I'm doing nothing. <laughs> <laughs> not even doing the only thing no, I do if is, you were polled, you would have said zero percent. Yeah, you know what? It's just the re reality. But I, I'm the one that's called in every time something goes wrong. You know, mm. like they can't hear her, they can't. And usually, the answer is exactly what you always do, Rabbi. Is that you just restart the computer and it just works perfectly. So you're like crisis manager. You're basically doing yeah, the product. You're, yeah. you're, you're, you're loading piano, guitar. You're uploading all your old CDs to your computer. Saving Federation. He's Listen, saving Federation. I don't know. I don't know if Matt and Marla are watching. dollars for the exactly. Federation last week. Debra, Debra's watching. You're your, your chairman. Yeah, so, That's right, Debra. Our, our Federation's watching. Rabbi Brody's working 23 hours a day for Federation. But for everybody else, he's like building things. He's learned to crochet, to knit. He's uploading all of his old CDs and movies online. He's now playing every instrument known to man. What other hobbies have you taken on, Rabbi Brody? <laughs> look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Whoa. This is not even. This is one of the piles. Unbelievable. What a project. Where are you, having are you a putting, great day. Are you putting those on a hard drive or are you putting them right in the cloud? 
No, hard drive. I got a 10 terabyte hard drive. Mistake. Hard drives are out. Can you explain, as as one of our chat members said, could you just explain if we have young people watching what that was you were holding? They don't know what that is. First of all, the reason you're probably wondering why I'm saving them. I'm doing an art project out of them. Oh, that's the other hobby you're taking on now? (laughs) Federation, please, please open your campus soon. (laughs) Get Rabbi Brody back to work. All these are going on. (laughs) <laughs> now, so tell us one second. Tell us for a second. Could you explain for the young people watching what that disc with the hole in it that looked like a donut? What is that? First, first of all, let me show you this to the old people. My son had a heart attack. He has no idea what these are. What these are? Wow. Wow. Remember, are, remember you, you, remember you, you went couldn't to skip adventure. a song. You remember couldn't you went skip to, a song. Yeah, but you remember you went to Great Adventure and you made those songs like, you, the, like uh, what do you call them? Like karaoke? Yeah, of course. You go into this the sound booth. Those things the, were the These best. are over 35 years old. I don't even know yeah, what songs are on here. It's amazing. It's possible that the person who dumped me, we have a great recording of that's what friends are for. And it's possible. I'm not saying we do. I'm not saying we don't. It's possible from her childhood. We have one of those. But yeah, used to go great adventure. Cholomoy Pesach, go in that recording right. studio. Never karaoke. been. Never yeah, been. You're from Boston. I'm from out of town. I never heard of it. From Boston. Boston. People Boston. go to Six Flags? Yeah. So, um, so my brother, you're putting it right on the hard drive. Why the hard drive not right to like an iCloud, to a cloud? No, they're on the iCloud also. They're on the cloud. They're, they're on the hard drive. No, I'll be honest, give you a little a lot warning. of time on his hands. I ran, I ran out of space on the, on the cloud. Listen, a bunch of years ago, I did this project. I took, yeah. I, I organized, I was so proud of myself because it's so unlike me. I took each of my kids, their pictures of, from their birth to their bar mitzvah, everything, or my bar mitzvah, everything, everything right. organized by family, kid, put it all on a hard drive and something happened on the hard drive. It's corrupted. It won't work now. We oh, sent yeah. it to a company where they promised to get it back. And here's what they do. They say, give us, we can get back 80%. It'll cost you a huge amount of money. Maybe it'll work. It's like, forget about it. So I still have all the things I loaded. That for, I wish I had loaded the hard drive to a cloud. Would have been oh. safe. The cloud. I is have limited. a video of you, Rabbi Goldberg. You asked me to get a video off right, your hard relax. drive. Take a deep and breath. And anyone who wants, rpm at brsonline.org. I have a video of Rabbi Goldberg playing. No, no, no. I think it was laning your Parsha. Laning your Bar Mitzvah Parsha. That's right. We're not going there. We're, we're talking about Rabbi Brody in the cloud. So I, I just found a video of you, Rabbi Goldberg, introducing Rabbi Frand in 2004. Hmm. Among all of your, what other videos did you find? I Interview. found about 40 videos. Things that These you interviews have been going on for a while. In the right time, they're going to come out. Who did we interview? <laughs> we never uploaded it. Um, what's his name? I don't know, but he's never coming on the show if he knows that we can't yeah. even remember his name. Yeah, I found it. I got it. He was on the West Wing. He spoke for Federation and we interviewed him. What was his name? Yeah, Josh Molina. Josh Molina. Josh Molina. He was so good. He was in the news this week. Was he? Yeah, For I don't what? remember what. I don't know. All right. So um, next topic, we got a lot We got a lot to talk about, and we are committed to ending at 10. We're, we're firming it up 9 to 10. Raffle's going on, not too late. We're a little halfway through, and you can still share our stream. Qualify to enter the raffle. You're competing against Jill Deutsch for the $500 gift certificate to Fetter Jewelers, Jay Fetter, Yisrael, and Dvorah. Thank you for your generous sponsorship. Let's move over to the next topic, which is Rabbi Moskowitz. Rabbi Moskowitz has had a professional breakthrough the last couple of weeks. He didn't know I was going to bring this up. Um, he's had a major professional breakthrough. And, uh-huh. and some of us have been encouraging him for a little time. And I think this is bigger than the marathon. The marathon didn't work out, but he was qualified, ready, running, training. Wow. And that's an accomplishment. But um, Rabbi Moskowitz, talk to us about what your hesitation always was to upload your classes to YU Torah, put them online. You've got a big following, got people who love you. What, what, what's your hesitation as a rabbi 
to upload your classes. If you have the confidence to teach it in person or over Zoom, why not share it with the world? And then we've moved over to now, we're talking two weeks in a row, Rabbi Moskowitz has written a blog. He's written two weeks in a row. Last week, his blog was so excellent. It was picked up by H.com. And on their headline, TopH.com, Rabbi Moskowitz, breaking out. It's really incredible. So talk to us about this professional growth and breakthrough you're having where you went from, I don't record, I don't put up, I'm a brisker, I'm a perfectionist, I don't share, to now you're, you're putting it up and you're, you're writing articles. Wow. First of all, Rabbi Goldberg drank his coffee before this. He got a little skip in his step. Rabbi Brody, we got we to give it back to him but it ain't second. coffee. <laughs> we got to give it back to you. Um, you're 100% right. I, uh, I never liked uploading my class. I'll tell you why. For me, teaching a class is a very um, interactive experience. Part of what I love about it is the interaction with people. And I believe that when I teach, um, the whole goal of it, the whole emphasis of it is to be able to have that interactive component to it. So I'm allowed to look at someone who I'm teaching. They're looking back at me. And there's that interaction and there's that question and answer and a give and take. You lose a lot of that on a recording. Mm-hmm. And on a recording, it's just your presentation. No one can see your facial expressions. No one can be in the environment that you're in. And I I always thought it lost a little bit. Um, You're obviously my Rebbe when it comes to this. You were far ahead of the curve when it came to recording classes, when it came to uploading classes, different mechanisms, different avenues. Um, And it took me a little bit of time. I will give a shout out to a friend of mine who lives in the community, Ellie Mendelson, who for years has been uh, pushing me to, to record, to upload, to make them accessible. And I'm working on it slowly but surely. I've been uploading, I'm pretty sure, all my classes now. And recently, I decided to take up writing a little bit. Amazing. Hold on. Before stuff. we get to that, first of all, shout out to Ellie Mendelssohn. I don't know that we've, we've given a shout out to a community member yet. So that's, that's big. And, and Ellie deserves it. So, But what do you think was the breakthrough? What gave you the confidence? Whatever the concerns or fears were, have they changed? Is it just maturity? Are you growing? Is it, uh, what do you think? A little gray in the beard, I noticed. What do you think? gray different? in the beard. But what was the concern? The were you afraid of all the nudniks out there that are going to go and start criticizing and ripping you apart? Yeah, I'll tell you, once something's out there, it's hard to control. Not, again, not that millions of people are reading it, but um, yeah, you know, when you, when you certainly have a little bit of perfectionism to you, um, there is a little bit of a fear that once you put it out there, you can't control it at that point. Things can be read in a different way than you interpret it. You, Rabbi Goldberg, go through this all the time. How often are you forwarding me an email from someone mm-hmm. who listened to your class or read your blog and misinterpreted it and had a question about it? How about um, somebody who last week watched our show, and I may write about this this week. I have to still stay up all night tonight to write my article. I'm not nearly as prepared and well-planned and organized as our Bostonian. Um, but last week, our show, you know, the show began last week, and uh, one of my daughters, my beautiful young uh, 10-year-old, uh, came on screen not realizing we were live and, and was waving and making faces. And I gently, you can go whack, go on YouTube, check it out. As Warner Wolf used to say, Go to the videotape. Go to the video. And I, and, I, and I very gently escorted her off the screen and the show ended and we got great feedback, beautiful emails, texts, and, and we have a lot of fun with this Wednesday night. It doesn't take a lot of our time, but really for that amount of time, we get a lot of wonderful feedback. I got an Not email. just from our moms. <laughs> Not just from our moms. Got an email. Don't know even who wrote it, but basically said, really, um, you guys saw the email. What would you say? It was like just short of accusing me of being a child abuser, literally. Shut her off, should have embraced her on. And, and I said to her, you, you have no idea the circumstances or how mortified my daughter would have been to know she was live. And I gently escorted her off. And what's amazing what I'm going to write about comes from a great book by uh, the Heath brothers, uh, Chip and Dean Heath, is about how the negative comments or moments far outweigh the positive ones. And research backs this up. Like I said, hopefully I'm going to write about it and you can read it later. But um, 
you have a positive moment of feedback or a positive experience or a positive memory, and it's wonderful. It carries you only so far. But the negative one well overwhelms it. I forgot what the ratio is, and I'll look it up before I share it. That would but- have been a great question for Russell. How do you deal in the public eye with blocking yeah. out those mm. one or two negatives and focusing on the positive instead? Should we ask Ronald Lee to wake him up and bring him back on? Wake, wake him up, bring him back. If he's watching, is, he's probably watching listen, right now. For any public figure and anyone putting themselves out there, they're running that risk. I got another, you know, people right. telling me today, a lot of Lashonara is being spoken about you because of the community X, Y, and Z. And, you know, again, that's why all rabbis have, you know, gastrointestinal diseases, no hair, gray beards. And uh, that's some of the challenge of it. So how'd you overcome that? How'd you overcome that? I'll tell you very honestly, when my, my son made his first siyam, he was, uh, I think, five, six years old. We made a siyam on Masechet Sukkah, and my mom wrote him a card. And the card is a, uh, a picture of a baseball player, and it says, don't let the fear of striking out prevent you from playing the game. Mm. And we subsequently got him a picture that we put on his wall that says that exact line. And uh, recently, I was thinking about it. I said to myself, you know what? It's coronavirus. Things are a little bit out of whack. Schedules are a little bit uh, different than they normally were. Um, right. You don't have the pressure of a weekly drusha. So why don't I channel my creativity and try it? Worst comes to worst, it fails and I stop after one week. And if it uh, keeps going, you keep the momentum going. And I got to be honest, I, I actually enjoyed it a little bit. There's something nice about putting your thoughts on a piece of paper, organizing them um, and putting them out there. It's really great. I, I'm proud of you. But this, I, you know, we're not, I, we're not the first to face this challenge of people who, even though they have positive things, one negative thing is what leaves the impression. I'll just mention this week, at least on the Jewish calendar, is the first Yurtzeit of a person who experienced that very directly. It was October 1986. It was late in game six of the World Series, and the Red Sox had a two-run lead over the Mets. They were one strike away from winning their first championship since 1918. Mets tied the game in the 10th. We all know the story. Red Sox were still in it. Slow roller, first baseline, went through the legs of none other than... I don't remember his name. first year at sight, Bill Buckner. Mets won the game. They went on to win the World Series. Buckner cost the Red Sox. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but here's the thing. Here's the amazing thing about this, right? My parents did not speak for two weeks after that. My dad is a New Yorker. My mom grew up in Providence. There was so much whatever in our house. There were were no words being shared. (laughs) Unbelievable. But here's the amazing thing. Buckner was an all-star. He won the National League batting title in 1980. He was a great player. And he was defined his whole career by a millisecond, by an error, a 22-year career. It tells you a lot about Boston, by the way. There were death threats. He had to run away from Boston, New England. He had to hide for his life. Because yeah. after a 22-year career, instead of remembering all the positive, instead of yeah. remembering the batting title, instead of remembering all the good, Buckner Correct. was remembered his entire career is captured by a millisecond of a ball going through his legs. You think that's fair and right? Yeah. Because oh, <laughs> you didn't grow whoa. up in New England. <laughs> you didn't grow whoa. up in New England. Whoa. You didn't grow up Not, in New England. No, listen, I will say that's a very, that? obviously, it's, a, it's an anti-Jewish idea, right? We obviously know that. We believe in tshuva, um, and it's not very popular nowadays. But, you know, as we, you and I have debated sports ad nausea for the last 10 years, sports are irrational, and you're allowed to be irrational when it comes to sports. So here's my irrationality. Yeah, he is judged for that. You know why? Because he should have caught the ball, gone to first, and ended it right then and there. I'll tell you, it's interesting is it actually supports the thesis of that book about moments, the Heath Brothers book, because their point is that not all moments are created equal. So one big moment that could make or break a championship is bigger than a 22-year career. It kind of supports that in, in the memory of the yeah, fans. Isn't that against every drusha you and I give? Isn't that against every Russia show? Oh, I'm not saying it's right. Drusha? I'm saying it's a description of reality. Brody, what's a, what's a moment where you wish you could take back? What's a, what's a, did you say something, do something? Did you have some strikeout? By the way, do you know what baseball is or what it means that the ball went to his legs? 
We can't hear you. I think you're on mute. I think <laughs> Hold on. I'm unmuting you. Rabbi Brody, you're muted. I'm muted. There I remember about 10 years ago after you started submitting and getting published on Asia Torah, so I submitted an article <laughs> and they wrote back to me. They're like, nah, it's okay. We, <laughs> First of all, I don't think they could even read it. <laughs> Punctuation and... <laughs> you need the you editor, Louise. You need the Actually, editor. That's not my strength. That's not what I do. I don't write articles. That's I'm a great okay reaction. By the way, so th this is a great topic. In other words, you put yourself out there, you took a risk, yeah. and you failed. Yeah, and I, you like, I even had Linda edit it for me. <laughs> I didn't really? tell you. <laughs> great Linda Gordon? Yeah. Wow. Did that come out of the outreach budget? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's amazing. Rabbi Moscow, do you have an example of something that you've tried and you failed at? I got lots of examples. Any you're willing to share? Nope. <laughs> no, let me think of a good one. No, no, I definitely have. I have lots of examples. Um, I'll tell you, actually, it's interesting. Uh, you mentioned running earlier. That's one of the things that appeals to me about races, right? The nice thing about a marathon is you can prepare for months and months and months in advance. And when you come to race day, you have no clue what type of mood you're going to be in, how physiologically you're going to react to the conditions. You could have a great race day. You could have a total failure of a race day. You see elite runners have miserable races and bow out after 10 miles with cramps who prepared their entire lives for this. So part of what I love about it is specifically that you set yourself up with the entire possibility that you might fail. You might not cross the finish line. You might not have the time you were preparing for. And you take that risk when you enter a race. Yeah, that's true. That's definitely true. But it's... Um, what about you? Yeah, I've had I've had failures too. There's no question about it. Um, I've had failures, right. and I'll give I'll give you an example. I I thought about starting a podcast several years ago. That's why I own this mic. I actually uh, my own personal expense, and I, I bought some of the equipment. And I thought I was going to do a podcast. I still have the recording of an interview I did with Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs, and an interview I did with Rav Schechter, uh, Mori Varabi. I don't know if Yummy is still listening or not. Um, <laughs> knowing his attention span, I would doubt it. Yummy, I love you. Um, but um, and and in both of them, I asked them a question. It's a question I heard Tim Ferriss. I love Tim Ferriss's podcast, and uh, he has the Titans of Industry. Podcast published a book about it. And he asked all these greats. One of the questions he asks is, can you give us an example where you failed? Because most of us, we think about the great people, the accomplished people, the successful people, and they look like it was easy. It looks like it was linear from their lives. They were born to whatever success they have. And it looks like it came so easily. And we grow so much and we're so inspired when we see their failure. I have the recordings. So first of all, I failed. I never turned it into a podcast. I never pursued it. I never followed through on it. I never made the time. I never made it a priority. And that's, that's a failure of mine I regret. It's not too late. I still hope to be able to do it. But I could tell you both their answers. And I have the recording of it. Rav Schechter talks about how early on he struggled with learning. He thought he wasn't going to be successful in learning. Could you imagine? Wow. Rav Schechter, one of the gedolim of our time, the one who's authoring Chuvas right now, he talked about uh, a time where he didn't think he was going to break through and succeed in learning. And Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs talked about a time where he didn't think he'd go into the rabbinate. And uh, he failed in his first effort to do so and certainly wasn't on the path to become Lord Rabbi Lord Jonathan Sachs. So I think failure is such an important topic. In fact, uh, my cousin, David Beshevkin, Rabbi David Beshevkin, who we should bring on one day, wrote a whole book about, about it. it. Sin, synagogue, failure. He wrote a whole book about it. And, and it's an important topic to, to realize, not to feel better about it or excuse it or, or justify it, um, but to expect it and to know how to bounce back from it. So it's really, it's really something uh, which is I'll tell you that. I don't know about you, if you can remember back that far when you started out in the rabbinate, but, uh, but I felt that certainly when I started off giving drushas, certainly at BRS, where you walk into that main sanctuary and there's 700 people watching and, uh, and obviously they're all friends and they all want you to succeed. But every time a rabbi gets up there to give that drusha, 
right? They're putting themselves on full display. And you know you're going to be judged. If you give a great drasha, you'll, you'll get the benefits of it. And if, and if you don't, you'll hear sure. from it afterwards. So, so every time a public person, and I include us in that, every time we get up there, we give a class, certainly a drasha, which is much more of a formal experience. You kind of run that risk also. You're putting yourself out there. You're putting yourself emotionally, intellectually out there. And, and, and you're welcoming people to judge you based on that. Yeah, and I wonder how much people know and appreciate how vulnerable, not only we make ourselves, but our families right? My wife, my kids, your wives and kids, um, they're judged by what we say tonight, right? We're out on a limb. I, I haven't gotten one email that says, when this ends, please continue that Zoom shear that started. But we each have had dozens of dozens. emails that say, please tell me that when this ends, Behind the Bima is going to continue. Well, Behind the Bima is unscripted, right? We get together, we have a l'chaim and we schmooze and we invite you to watch and join us and comment in the chats. But you know, it's possible over the course of however many weeks or months we do this, we're going to say something we regret. We're going to say something not as articulate or as, as persuasive as we could have said it. And we're going to wish we said it differently. And we have an appreciation of our public figures. And I think the main thing, and we talked about this last week, last week because de Blasio failed to do it, is that when you make that mistake and when you say it the wrong way and it didn't come out in the land the way you intended, own up to it. Apologize for it. Say it better. Come out with it differently. Do that in your writing. Right? So you talk about a failure, we're not going to get into the details, but we all know about a blog I wrote early on when I was blogging. I'm just going to say, <laughs> I teased a possible title for the blog piece. Moskowitz, Rabbi Moskowitz was half asleep. I said, what do you think about calling it this? He said, absolutely go for it. Did it and go viral? Hold on. Did it go viral? I, like, I don't know that it went viral, but I do know that I got a call threatening a lawsuit and threatening to end my career. And frankly, it felt like a threatening to end my life. So what did I do, by the way? I, said, here's I, what I wrote another... I, I reworded it. I wrote a, a clarification afterwards because even though I, I'm not sure there was merit to the, to the objection, if that's a kind way to put it, but you know, I don't want anyone to be, in, to be hurt or injured or insulted. So I think you got to, and we're not perfect at that either, but I don't know that people realize that whether you're playing first base for the Red Sox or you're getting up there and giving a drusha or you're hosting a little podcast, you're making yourself vulnerable and you're exposing yourself to criticism. Correct. But I happen to, you know, again, not to sing your praises, but I happen to believe one of the many things that I've learned from you over the last 10 years, you are excellent at being willing to walk things back, apologize, and move on, right? I mean, there are many rabbis that we know that dig their heels in. They say, you're confronting me, lack of kavodah Torah, and they become very combative very quickly. Um, and one of the things you taught me very early on is instead of immediately rushing to that combativeness, to first take a step back and say, is there a merit to what they're saying, right? What can I learn from this? How can I improve myself? Um, and that's something that I think I you're, you're excellent that. at as well. That's very, that's very kind of you. But I'll tell you, my rule of thumb is to try to evaluate the message, even if you don't like the messenger or the messaging. So when someone writes you that thing and they, they didn't phrase it well and they came at you with a personal attack, is to try to stop, read it, look at it and say, is there, like you said, is there merit? Is, is the message have any truth to it? Even if I don't like the messenger and if you don't like, I don't like the messaging around it or the way it was delivered. And because otherwise we'll, we'll never grow if we hear from that. What do you say, Rabbi Brody? Well, also, you know, sometimes it's just the joke or the message falls flat. I mean, there's many times we've tried. You get up in front of an audience and you think it's funny. It goes up funny in your head and you get up in front of 500 people and you're like, I don't know if it's that funny. Remember your dinner announcement from the Bima where you were yeah, trying to you be know, funny? So many. <laughs> you get I no gave, love. I gave you 500, 500 of those examples. <laughs> David Kay got more off, out loud laughter. I'll try harder that. next time. Yeah, absolutely. We got a comment here on, on the Facebook chat. How about your personal clarinet and violin playing failures or do you still play? No. Yeah, Those I, were I, the worst years of my life. Battled my mom every day after school. Couldn't wait to get out of there. Get me on the baseball field. 
I'm not even sure how to hold the violin, tell you the truth. That's All I remember is you time. have to, Lenny can, can validate this. I think you have to like suck the reeds to make them moist, to make them, I guess, uh, the, the reverberations. So I'd have to walk around all day sucking on these reeds to make sure they were moist enough for my lesson after school. Sucking so, so, you know, on what? Reeds? The reeds. <laughs> reed, the reed of a clarinet. Where, where does that fit in the clarinet? How does that work? It's, like, it's the top part. I don't know. Nice. You ever seen an so oboe of a clarinet? One of our commenters uh, says, uh, not mutually exclusive. He writes, I took piano lessons, never play again, but I'm grateful I did. Are you grateful you took those lessons? Yes, absolutely. A little pause there. No, I, I wanted to give a truthful answer, but, but yes, absolutely. I, I believe um, there was a discipline that involved that the notion of practicing something, um, the notion of sticking to a regimen, whether it's lessons, whether it's practicing in between. I think music in general has a wonderful impact on a young child um, and their development. Um, so yeah, I'm appreciative of it. Listen, it would be hard for me to sit here and say not. It made me who I am, right? Good, bad, ugly. It's right. part of who you see today. Right. Brody, talk what about, about you? your drums. You still playing it's the funny. drums? You know, I saw this video a few years ago of a kid in a, in a classroom where he's just tapping on the desk. Like, he's, there's always that one kid, and it's, it's annoying the teacher, and it's annoying everyone in the classroom. And then I think it's one of the, the teachers he has gives him a, a pair of drumsticks. And he sees right. something in this kid that, okay, he's not going to become this academic. He's not going to become someone uh, that's the star student. And the next thing you do is you see this kid, he became, and he's like a famous drummer today. Wow. So sometimes, you know, it just shows you that, you, you know. You still, you still playing the drums? Yeah. You are. Actually thinking about trading the set in. It's a big, big decision to trade it in for a uh, really? electronic set. Yeah. I've had the same hmm. set since high school. Well, he, he plays Brody. the drum every staff meeting. Have we ever had a staff <laughs> meeting where Rabbi Brody is no, no, sitting there no, tapping I, on the- I, I sit next to Rabbi Brody on the beamer during davening. Sometimes yeah. he'll be like in the middle of Shema and you're here. <laughs> And I always, not during Shema, you can't talk about it, but I've been, the, I've been right. sitting next to him at a funeral. He's doing that. I say, that Brody, by the, I, no, I always say, Brody, what song are you playing? And there's always a song. Guys, no, there is He's a always song. playing a song. No, we you should, we should have, play that you next you week. You song not, playing in your head all no, day. No, I don't. No, I, I actually don't. I have a constant play soundtrack that. in my head. That you explains so much. Yeah. What, what are you, what's playing right now? Right now is a little, uh, you know, let's say Metallica. <laughs> so you're, you're, you're like my wife. So she claims that really musical people, you're musical, she's musical. Yeah. That there's always a song, or when you hear a song, you're, you're like, I love listening to music while I'm doing work. She's like, if there's music on, I can't do work because I'm just so connected to the music. You listen to music? I always have music on. You nah, do. it distracts me. I can't do it. I love it. You always have music in the background. If a choice between talk radio, podcast, sheer music, what are you going no, with? No question. It's always music. Always music. Right? I'll have music on with a podcast. I'll play them both. I don't know. Maybe music. I'm not smart. I need quiet. I'm, I'm like, when I'm in the zone, if I'm writing a drusher, if I need like quiet, anything else is distracting me. Yeah. Like this I can't year, listen to, I can't listen to Sheeran while I drive. I find it very distracting when I drive. So interesting. Sphere has been I, torturous. I, just, I mean, not having, not, I don't listen to music during Sphere, even recorded music. And the whole atmosphere is different. You know, we, we have speakers in our home. Music is playing literally almost 24 six and having no music is, is it changes an environment. It changes an atmosphere. It's a big deal. But Brody, let me ask you this. Rabbi Brody, let me ask you this. Who's a better drummer, you or Yechevet? Ooh, she might be. Don't forget, she's yeah. a lefty. It's a different style. Yeah, that's a big. That's I a big addition. That by I the think way. that music got me through high school. There's no question. Oh, there it is. There it is. Twenty-three years ago tonight. Woo! Twenty-three years ago tonight. There she is. Southpaw. 
Rabbi Goldberg, if you need a couch to sleep on tonight, let me know. Now, the truth is that if this were, hold on, how do I turn that off? If this were, uh, if this were B'nai Brak, the Hashkacha might be rescinded from uh, Marina Del Rey. But uh, 23 years ago tonight, she was playing the drums. So I'm not sure, I, I'm not sure whether she'd agree that you're a better drummer. Good question. Maybe we'll have a drum off. Drum off. Who's the better drummer? Lag Baomer, many years ago, she played the drums at an event at the, uh, at the Shul. I remember that. Unbelievable. I remember that. All right, we got five minutes left. Let's first of all mention again our friends at J. Fetter Jewelers, Devora and Yisrael Fetter, great football player, great friends, great community supporters, and great opportunity for you if you share the show and get it out there. Not that we need your help because it's going wild, but really for you if you want to do it, then uh, you're, ent- <laughs> you're entered into a raffle. $500 gift certificate. It's real. It's not a fake offer. I'm holding... The golden ticket. Was that Charlie and Chocolate Factory? What was the ticket? I've got I'm the holding, golden ticket. I'm holding the golden ticket. This is it. Jay Fetter Jewelers, you're going to be entered into a raffle. If you share the show and we see that you shared it, you will be entered into a raffle. Five hundred dollars That's a good question. Someone just, someone just posted, Rabbi Goldberg, 23 years of marriage. What is a lesson that you've learned? What is some wisdom you'd like to share with our audience? 23 years, share a, a mistake that you made that have made you a better husband. Yeah, he hasn't I gone mean, back to Jay Fetter Jewelers. <laughs> First of all, a mistake that I made is talking about the fact that she dumped me in on the show. And <laughs> if, I, if it were in a quarantine, I'd have to find somewhere else to sleep. Um, I've learned that my wife is always right. I don't mean that facetiously or sarcastically. No, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what I've learned. And this is what Yechevet says all the time. You got to keep dating even in marriage. You, your life can't be defined by your children or the responsibilities or the to-do list or your professions. You've got to date. You've got to have fun. You've got to laugh. You've got to take an interest in each other. You've got to continue to learn about one another. And you've got to have fierce loyalty and continuing to date. But here's a question for you, Rabbi Brody. Someone asked, can you name one famous left-handed? Yocheved's a left-handed drummer. Can you name a famous left-handed drummer? Phil Collins. Phil Collins left-handed? Yeah. See, I don't think I can name any drummer. When we were kids, we were kids. There was a rumor he was an anti-Semite. Is that true? No, you go on Snopes, you'll see it never happened. But it is up there. That's what they talk never about. Never happened. Can I just say one thing about J. Fetter Jewelers? Sure. The customer experience is amazing. You go in there. It's not like a jewelry store. You walk in. It's like a living room. You go in. He's got the fish tank. He's got like the big sofas. You can even get a nice scotch. You sit down. Treats you like uh, like you're one of the family. He really wants to help. Tell him your yeah, budget. Yeah. He'll find you something great. There's no question. We're actually, you know, I don't want to say this too soon, but it's possible they're going to become a permanent sponsor or long-term sponsor of our show, but no pressure on them. Uh, but it's, uh, it could be exciting. No, they are. They're, they're great friends in jfedder.com. Their store is going to reopen. They'll take care of your personal needs. And if you buy a large enough piece of jewelry, they will fly it to wherever you are. I know that for a fact. So uh, it's possible even during a quarantine, if it's a big enough piece of jewelry, they will fly it wherever <laughs> you are. So we've got listeners around the world and they're curious, where can they follow? Where, how can they share this, uh, this show with their friends even after it's over? So if you're watching on Facebook, it stays on the Facebook page. If you're watching on Zoom, it goes on YouTube. If you go to my YouTube page, all the shows are there. And we got other exciting news. We remembered to press record tonight, which means that tomorrow, hopefully, it's coming out as a podcast. So on your Apple wow. Podcast Player, it's going to be on all the podcast players. You'll be able to listen every week to, uh, to podcasts. So, oh, by the way, we've got a very important comment here on Facebook. It says, tell Josh he can go into Fetter Jewelers and buy his mom a gift. And it's written by? by his My mom. Mom Brody. Sylvia Brody. Sylvia <laughs> Brody. Mom, how about you come with me? We'll go buy you a gift. <laughs> Here's the deal, Mrs. Brody. If you win the gift certificate, <laughs> if you win the gift certificate, Josh Rabbi Brody will take you in. That is the deal. Listen, exactly. someone said to me, and I, I hope the fetters won't be upset at me, but they're brilliant and they know how it's played. So someone else, one of my dear friends down my block said to me, he said, my wife shared your show. I really hope she doesn't win. 
I said, why? He said, they get you in the door for the 500, but they sell you a $5,000 piece of jewelry. So I really hope my wife doesn't win, which, uh, you know, it's an interesting, uh, interesting model, but uh, it's a win-win. Hey, $500 off is $500. $500 is $500. 20% off a piece of jewelry of your choice. You can watch the show on YouTube. And listen, for the people who think that we're just three clowns who get together on Wednesday nights, Rabbi Moskowitz is a published author now. He's, uh, he's the big time. He's got a featured talk on whyutoro.com. I'm, re- I'm a rejected author. <laughs> He is, he is, all right, we got a rejected author. We've got a budding, promising author. This is the time to get in on Behind the Bima because we're going big and, and the sponsorship's just going up. We've got the next several weeks, months of sponsorship. I feel bad. There are people emailing us and we can't even slot them in for a while. That's how, that's how big the show has gone. But um, we also teach Torah. We do it, we do it with pride. We do it for a living. It's our chias. It's our very life, the air that we breathe. And you can find it. Rabbi Moskowitz, where can someone find your Torah? Whyutorah.org. Search Rabbi Philip Moskowitz, and you could also go to YouTube. I've started uploading some of my Zoom classes to YouTube as well. That's fantastic. Rabbi Brody, I know that you have a lot on Facebook. You're sharing a lot of lessons, ideas, thoughts. How can people find you? Well, check us out Friday Night Live every week, 6 p.m. So easy. Just go on uh, Zoom, type in my cell phone number. If you want that, just let me know, and I'm happy to give that to you. That's amazing. And if you want to, uh, you want to learn Torah with me, you can go on RabbiEphraimGoldberg.org, RabbiEphraimGoldberg.org. Thanks to my dear friend, uh, Stephen, and others working very hard, our fact checker among them. We are actually redesigning the site and the app is coming out. You'll be listening. We have uh, almost 1,100 classes online and a lot of articles you can read. And uh, on our YouTube channel, you could watch as well. And, and feel free to follow, like, or subscribe on YouTube to any of the things that we're doing. And uh, when we go live with the podcast, we'll need your help. So I just want to say uh, thank you to our listeners. Thank you to Russell Galba for coming on tonight. Uh, the money for the sponsorship that goes to the show, not one penny goes to our pockets. We get nothing from it. It hasn't even bought us lunch. We've gotten nothing. All the money's going to a good cause to help share and spread Torah and help people. We're using it for good things. We thank our sponsors. We thank Dvorah Yisrael Fetter tonight, jfetter.com. And uh, we look forward forward to uh, seeing you next week, same time, Wednesday night, 9 p.m. Please share with us if you have ideas of people who you'd like. I got a text tonight, I didn't even tell you guys, but we got a promising lead on a, on a guest for next week. It's possible we have somebody who was um, one of People Magazine's 50, 50 Most Beautiful People. He is uh, someone who has a platinum record, hit the top oh, 10 list in the, Atlanta, in the, in the Georgia. country. I can't say who it is, um, <laughs> mostly because I haven't really asked or confirmed it with him yet, but it's possible. So, um, Really amazing. Yeah, we can offer our, I see here that uh, we can offer our, uh, we can put a logo on the virtual background of our sponsor and help promote as well. So if you'd like to sponsor, you have an idea of a guest, you have topics you want us to talk about. Thank you for being with us tonight. I want to thank and Russell Gabbard. If a sponsor wants to throw in an extra 30 bucks for lunch for us, that would be great also. <laughs> First We're of all, actually, this is well, my sponsor. Let's end with that. Look out for our podcast coming out and we're adding a new feature. We want to start doing some taste tests. We want to help. We've got local industry that's struggling. I ordered food tonight. Our family, we got delivered. Um, Our dear friends, Ellie and Shula Ansalam at King David Catering. Can't beat the deal they gave us tonight, but all of our restaurants, caterers, local, our dear friend Gershwa Drone, his dips, incredible. And I don't, you know, I can list everybody. We'll continue to list them, but they're all offering deals, offering delivery. They're, they're really our heroes. And if you want them to be open when this is all over, then you need to support them now. But we're going to look for people to start submitting stuff to us. We're going to, three of us, we're going to taste test online. Yep. And give Do I have credibility reviews. with a taste test? Zero. Come, I'm not like, I. would you trust me in a taste test? Zero. One bite, not, everybody knows the rules. N- not from when you played the clarinet and not today. The only one who has less credibility on a taste test is the vegan with the headphones on. <laughs> yeah, I might, Josh Brody. I might go a little, uh, t- I might, you know, a little bite. Really? Really? We'll see. Wow. We'll, listen, for the show, I'm willing to take a, 
I'm not trusting. I'm Big not one. trusting a vegan. I'm not trusting a vegan to tell me about about food. But that's a wrap. We're an hour. We promised you one hour flat. Thank you so much for being with us tonight. This time next week. Walk offline. Here we go. Stay happy. Stay holy. Stay healthy. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Behind the Bima. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We'll see you next week for another peek behind the Bima.